episode is sponsored by award-winning book, Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot by James Allen Ross. Hey, boo things. It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Goody Things. Hey, boo things, and welcome back to Just Goody Things. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Live from Zoom because I'm sick again. Uh, You know what? I have had so many clients this past week walk in and they've been super sluggish. They've had a head cold and it's not COVID. It's just like, I think it's the change in season and a lot of allergies are coming back around for people. And a lot of people are back in school or back in the workspace where they're not exposed to certain things anymore. So their immune system's at like a zero. So everyone's just kind of getting back into it. I think that must be it. Like, I feel like if my immune system was like an actual physical thing, it would be like one person at the TSA desk at the airport who's halfway through their two weeks notice. Like, that's the kind of job my immune system does for me. It is checked the fuck out. Honestly. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, you're actually, and on top of that, you're the front desk at Spirit Airlines. That's yes. your two weeks notice. Yes, in the Spirit Airlines wing. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, I have been so busy just with clients. And I just, I looked at the calendar and I was like, oh my God, it's already October 21st, 22nd. I 22nd today. Nuts. We have a week till Halloween. I'm freaking out. I don't even have a costume. Me neither. I feel like, you don't? Such hor- no, I feel like such a horrible boo thing. I've been looking at costumes. Nothing's catching my eye. I feel I like know. there's nothing really out there. That's really like provoking me to get into the spooky spirit of things there's I don't see I don't see people decorating their houses right now like I see a couple around my neighborhood but yeah it's not the same like when we were little kids I know it's like I think it's also because um there's some stuff going on in the neighborhood by like my apartment but Mm -hmm. where my parents live like in their HOA there's really only like a couple of like lawn signs and flags or like some red string lights on like a front walk or something but it's once I get into like um when I'm like on my way to work Mm -hmm. I start to see in like the little like the neighborhoods that are more like young families Uh like there's this one by my job so I do take a main street from my apartment all the way up and it's all stores right so you don't really get to see any of the but I tend to take back ways home to avoid um, what's it called? Rush hour. And that's really when you see like on the little back side streets, you know, like there's a house that does a big Halloween display every year and they do a big Christmas one. And, like that's always fun. And they change it around every week or so, mm-hmm. you know? So there's like some stuff, but it's not as every single house has something anymore. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, um, or cause you really, you didn't grow up near where I grew up, but, mm-hmm. uh, in Hackensack, there is a street there's I forgot what it's called I think it's called like Clinton Street or something like that and Mm -hmm. it was a block that pretty much the whole block decorated their house in a specific theme based on Halloween or like 
one of them would get like a hearse and then they put skeletons in it. And then one had uh, an old fridge and then they, you open it. And then there was like a bunch of like body parts in the fridge. And, and then one house was uh, the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And another one was wizard of Oz. And every year um, the say the houses would have sometimes the same themes and then other houses would change their themes. So you never really knew what you were going to be walking into every year. And I remember oh, that's that. That's cute. Yeah, always a part of my childhood. And then I remember, um, the, I think like the last time I went back, uh, they started doing things where these houses, because they were getting so much traction, oh, like mm-hmm. every year they would have like the road block, that road blocked off. Like they would have a, like a police barricade. So only yeah. the residents could drive through um, at certain hours. But they would have little donation buckets in front of certain houses. So like houses would collaborate with like foundations. So mm-hmm. like if you see a house you really like, um, they would use that like foot traffic to raise money for certain foundations and different. Uh, oh, that's cute. Yeah, charities, which is, I thought, really smart. So the town that I'm from, um, you kind of, because it is a relatively smaller town, Mm-hmm. You knew what houses to go to every year because certain houses were just known. Either they were like the king size bar family or like yes. this one street that they didn't give out king size bars, but like they always had the good chocolates or like the good candies. And then this one specific house, they would have coolers outside their house. And I know that we would like hit that up on like the last half of our trick or treating route because we would be dehydrated at that point. And so we'd want to get something refreshing. So they'd have Sprites and Coca-Colas and all stuff like that. And then looking back, I'm pretty sure like the people that own that house were just using it as an excuse to day drink. Because I remember the guy would always just be sitting on a (laughs) chair, like just drinking beers, like just sitting there watching all the kids just taking the sodas and everything. (laughs) I remember the guy every year just had a beer in his hand. Like he never was empty handed. Um, probably had an underlying alcoholic problem that we're not establishing right now, but, um, (laughs) but yeah. And so it's funny, even at 25 years old, uh, the last time I probably trick or treated there was probably over 10 years ago. And there's just still that memory of those certain houses that I'm like, yeah, that was the King size bar family or like that was the sodas. And I just remembered something. Sorry. No, like, no, say it, say it, say it. Okay. I just remembered that there was a house. I went there a couple years in a row and they did a candy exchange. So, and I went and it came in really handy because one year I went with my friend who was like um, gluten intolerant, really bad gluten allergy, like needed to be in the hospital if she had it. Oh, wow. And a couple other like light allergies. And we discovered, we just like on a whim, like found, we were just wandering around. We found this candy exchange house where she put out, literally this woman put out a laundry basket. And you would just, and I think she must have gone and bought like a bunch of variety packs of candy to start it. And so like, she, so like my friend couldn't have, you know, let's say like a Twix, right? She'd put a Twix in and then take like a thing of um, Laffy Taffy. That's so smart. Right? Right? Genius. That's going to be, that's the house I'm going to have. Well, that, okay. That was actually going to transition to what I was going to say in the sense that now, you know, I have, no, no, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's another idea now that I can think about because this year Halloween lands on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be working in the morning. Like I usually do. I like to take (laughs) off on Halloween. So 
it would be nice to have ideas of like, what can, like, I don't want to be that house that like no one wants to go to because it's like, oh, that person gives out toothbrushes or apples. I want to be like <laughs> the cool house. So I'm like yeah. trying to think of like, cause I haven't really had candy like that in a while where I'm like, what, like, what do the kids eat nowadays? Like, what do they like? I'm like, maybe if I do become that king size bar family where like, I'll just get a shit ton of like king size bars, but like, you know, it's like first come first serve. So then, you know, the kids that find out I'm the king size bar lady, then they go to their friends. Like, all right, next year we're hitting up this house. We have to get there sooner than later because like she only has limited supply because it's king size bars. Or I could be the cooler lady and get like a bunch of sodas and water and like leave it out there for the kids to have. Like, I want to be like the cool neighborhood person. (laughs) I just feel like at this age, I just decorated the house today for Halloween Mm -hmm. because I'm, again, very far behind. I didn't realize how late it was into October. Still processing that. So decorated, that gives me joy. Carved the pumpkins. Um, you saw the picture, right? Of, uh, the pumpkins that Mike and I carved. Yes. Which did you do and which did he do? So I did the Oogie Boogie Man from Nightmare Before Christmas. And then Mike okay. carved out Edgar Allan Poe. Cause he I was thinking so the Edgar Allan, yeah, the Edgar Allan Poe one was so amazing. And yes. I was like, well, Mike is a barber. So he'd be good with like a blade to cut yes. something precisely. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it was. He had like a, he, um, printed out a stencil of like Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe picture. And then mm-hmm. he like he sharpied parts of the pumpkin that he would cut out and then he would dot what parts he wouldn't cut out. Um, and then, and then he, and then he, he used a jigsaw to cut everything out. Oh. That was quicker. And then he put the pumpkin over water and then like any black from the Sharpie, he just washed off with some Dawn dish soap so that it looks literally perfect. Oh my God. Yeah. So life hack guys, if you haven't uh, picked your pumpkin already and uh, started carving, there's some uh, pro tips. Good to know. Thank you. Gotcha girl. But yeah, I was thinking, you know, decorating is fun, carving pumpkins, uh, reading scary books. And then uh, I just heard to watch, which I think I'm going to watch on Halloween, the show called Midnight Mass. It's on Netflix. I've my never dad, heard of it. Yeah, my dad started watching it and he said it was phenomenal. He said it's really spooky, uh, something that we would both like. And I think it's by the director of The Haunting of Hill House. Oh! Yeah, so I know it's going to be, I love that show, so I know it's going to be great. So uh, that's going to be my Halloween uh, binge-watching show while I wait for the yes. kids to, uh, you know, realize what they got with you know, <laughs> insert address here. You should put a sign. This is like no big deal, but I do have king size candy bars. <laughs> yeah. I am the plug, actually. <laughs> well, um, you know, for you guys that may be listening on Halloween or you may be listening a week before Halloween just to get yourself in the spooky, kooky, ooky mood, uh, Lily and I each have two stories that we want to read to you guys that we found online. So without further ado, Lily, do you want to start off with your first story? It would be a pleasure to start off with my first story. Amazing. By the way, Rebecca, I totally just got your Zoom invite. Ah! (laughs) I like, I just took a screenshot of it. I'll send it to you. Okay. So for my two stories, I really wanted to do something very promising that I knew would be a hit. So I literally went to uh, the paranormal subreddit and went to like the top posts of the week. Can't ever go wrong. 
right? Like you got to go with the classics sometimes. This one is called Met the Devil and Lost Track of Time. Oh, I just need to drink some water real quick. Some ASMR. (laughs) Crazy Friday night, drinking water into a microphone. (laughs) Okay. This is by a username Chad Wojak. Wojak? I don't know. And it says, short background, trouble, troubled childhood, juvie, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, got out of rehab and hopped directly into probably the most toxic relationship on planet Earth. Relationship ends, and that's where the story begins. I was pretty busted up over the breakup, and my buddy and his old lady swing by my house around midnight and invite me to a party at the lake. I refused at first, but figured, why not? Hang out and drink with good people. Which, by the way, this first paragraph got me because this is the beginning of every teen horror film. Facts. (laughs) So he goes on. um, We hop in his truck and drive out to the bluffs. Basically, the road circles down into a turnaround, and it's a five-minute walk down to the water. We pull up and get out. Decide I need a minute before turning my social battery on. (laughs) Tell them to go ahead. (laughs) And I'll smoke a cigarette and be right behind them. They say, okay, and walk into the dark. As I drop the tailgate to smoke on, an old late 50s car pulls up. Beautiful car, growling V8. Matte black, red pinstripe. Ooh. Fucking gorgeous car. That does sound gorgeous. I'm I'm suspicious of it. (laughs) Don't be suspicious. Don't Don't be suspicious. suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) That's what you and Mike should be for Halloween. John Ralphio and Mona Lisa. Do you think we could pull it off though? Like, do you think people would know what we are? Oh, maybe not. That's the thing. Maybe. I wanted to be Aladdin and Jasmine, but Mike was like, I'm too fat this Halloween. Maybe next year. The driver stops in the roadway and gets out. Literally the moment my eyes make contact with him, I have genuine fear in my gut. For reference, I am not scared of shit. Like, I'm genuinely not scared of anything and have never before or since felt this fear. This fear was fucking primal. Anyways, the dude steps out. Black suit, black shoes, blood red silk shirt and tie. Uh You know Lucifer the show? That's who I'm picturing. Yes! (laughs) Square jaw, slick back hair and perfect white teeth. And a soothing yet intimidating deep voice. He starts making small talk and asks for a smoke. I give him one and he lights it. Asks if I like his car and offers to give me a ride. I decline and he immediately gets back in the car, starts it up and drives off. Now this road takes about two minutes to drive up to get back to the highway. Only one way in and out. And you can see the entire road leading to the highway. Then I hear my buddy yelling my name. He's pissed drunk now, yelling out, why am I taking so long? I say, I literally smoked one cigarette. He says, it's been a few hours and asks what I'm doing. I point to the road and say, I was talking to that guy. But we look and there's nobody there. And there's no way he got to the road in that loud ass car without being heard or seen. He and his car disappeared with nobody but me ever seeing or hearing. So... Wait a second. So he, wait, hold on. So he thought he only was there for a few moments, but was really a few hours? Yeah. What? I know. And that's so weird. Like, I feel like if 
they were good friends. Wouldn't you think they'd look for him sooner? I, I, but if they're, they're getting wasted. Okay. Yes. They are under the influence. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, cause we've all been those assholes who just want to drink some nights and forget about our friends. And they are like, Oh fuck, where's Charlie or whatever. Yeah. You know? Cause I know like I've been on the other end of that and been on that end of it. You know what I mean? So I'm assuming, like, these people sound like they're young. They're probably like, oh, you know what? Fuck him. You want to smoke a cigarette? Let him smoke five cigarettes. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're wasted trying to leave. And they're like, well, he could drive us. Wait, where is he? That's what I'm imagining. But someone commented and said, the small talk, what was it? What did he say? Do you even remember? And he was like, honestly, to me, the entire encounter was only like three to four minutes long. I told him his car was nice. He said, thank. And then thanks. And then. He asked for a smoke, so I gave it to him, and then he offered me a ride. You know, I was quiet for a few seconds, and then I said no. That was literally the entire encounter before I heard my friend. That is so weird. So it's not even like he was talking to somebody, and they got into, like, a really deep conversation about something they're passionate about, about, like, NFTs or, like, stocks or something. Like, (laughs) He just said, nice car, bro. And they said, thanks. Like, you need a ride? Do you have a smoke? And then that's it. That's not, there's no way that's a couple hour conversation. There's no way you lose track of time with such minimal conversation with someone. Exactly. Like this guy's literally, this guy's literally though, I'm, I'm reading the comments and they're like, well, did you notice what his eyes looked like? And he's like, no, literally nothing stood out. I was fixated on his, um, demeanor and keeping the space between us and then someone else said you know did he use your lighter or his own he's like no he used his own so there's a whole lot you know i i kind of get that like this guy may have accidentally slipped into like a different timeline Ooh. all right rebecca what's your first story <laughs> okay so mine uh is titled 16 years later this house still haunts me So just to preface the story, I never had any experiences like this before or since. I would like to find some rational explanation for it all, but to this point, have not been able to. Even thinking about this house brings back the same helpless fear I experienced back then. I was about 16 years old when my family purchased a fixer-upper home in a relatively nice neighborhood. By no means was it a dump, but it certainly needed work. Upon moving in, we were informed the house had past served as a home health care facility for the elderly. There were no strange feelings about it. Our family was quite excited to have a new home to to start fresh. My father and I began ripping up all the flooring and laying new tile throughout, knocking out some walls, redoing the kitchen counters, etc. Now, sidebar, we all know when you do construction on an older house, we all know. It picks up activity. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Picks up them spirits. Yes. So next was the next was the backyard. It was basically just a dirt lot with a little porch. On the porch was the laundry room, a tiny little shed near the back door. The first strange thing we noticed was there were multiple locks on it. The odd part was the locks were on the inside of the laundry room. The door was rather heavy. I don't believe it was wood, but it was dense material. And on the inside of that door was a tiny child-sized handprint, not in paint oh, or no. dust. Yeah, not in paint or dust, but it was impressed into the door. This baffled us for the longest time. Mm, Not liking this so far. Yeah, maybe get the fuck out. Especially if this was an elderly home and now all of a sudden there's like a kid's child. Yeah, this gives me big horror film vibes. 
Yeah. Uh-uh. Someone called Blumhouse. Mm-mm. My brother and I began tearing up the yard, getting ready to seed it. And my brother hit something hard that made a ding sound. We kept digging around it until we decided to pause. We didn't want a massive hole in the yard. My father's curiosity got the best of him and he decided we would dig until we unearthed whatever it was. We dug a massive hole and discovered an entire twin bed frame. Oh, fuck. Black and rusty. In addition, we found several small plastic children's toys, many of which appeared to be partially melted. This officially gave us all the creeps. Oh, oh, no. Who Who the fuck buries a bed frame? And the melted children. No, I don't want to know. Mm-mm. Something bad happened. Nope. So over the next few months, strange things started to happen. Our two dogs would stand and stare down the hallway, growling and barking with their hair on end. Every time this would happen, we would all pause and watch. This became more fre- frequent until they began going into my room at the end of the hall and repeating the staring into my closet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. When your dog notices something or your cat, I swear, if they. If they blow out the wall in the closet and it's a secret passageway, I'm going to shit my pants. That's (laughs) what I'm sensing. This was obviously unnerving, but ultimately decided there was nothing to worry about. They were just being good boys. Yes, they were. Sometime later, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and feeling an extremely dark, oppressive feeling like I was being watched. I sat up and looked around the room and there was nothing but the fear and the energy was paralyzing. I'm roughly 17 at this time, and I began sleeping with my head under my covers. Every now and then, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and that feeling of being watched, that fear was so heavy, I wouldn't even look above my comforter, fearing I would see something large and ominous staring right back at me. I told my father about this, and although he believed me, there was nothing to be done about it. A few months later, that all came to a head, when I awoke to someone shouting my name in the deepest, raspiest voice. Yeah. I jumped out of my bed and flew to my door at light speed. I threw it open to find my entire family staring back from their respective bedroom doors. Who the hell screamed my name, I said. Everyone just stared at each other, visibly shaken, and stated they all heard their names screamed as well. (gasps) Chills. Chills. Oh, my God. So it wasn't even that they heard this person's specific name. It was everyone heard their own name. I've literally never gasped that intensely at a story in years. Like, since we started the podcast, maybe one or two has gotten that deep of a gasp. Yes. Because I didn't just gasp. I froze. That's, uh, yeah. So, things intensify from there. Things, yeah, things moving or being knocked off shelves in the movies. It's always something small, only noticed by someone alone. But in our case, it was always on... Full display for whoever was there. For example, my brother's football team was over one day in the living room eating and playing Xbox while my dad cooked when several items on the top of our entertainment center went flying several feet. This was not a case of the items just rolling off on an uneven surface. These were signed baseballs and footballs flying off and hitting the wall. These football players took off running through the front door. By this point, my family had grown used to the strange happenings. And after standing there, taking it all in, we picked up the items and just went about our day. The next significant event was when my dad's friends were over and sitting on the couch. These were not tiny people, rather heavy set. All three on the couch, when mid-conversation, the couch moved several inches to the left, screeching across the floor quickly. 
This startled me and I jumped. I have never seen anyone move as fast as those three heavy set people on the couch. Oh my God. You would have thought we had ejector seats on that couch. <laughs> a short time later, I was coming home from work in the early evening. I pulled into the carport and saw the door was wide open. I immediately knew something was off. I apprehensively peeked in and saw the back door was also open. I walked in and immediately felt a feeling of dread. As I looked around and saw every door, cabinet, and drawer in the kitchen wide open. Thinking myself a tough guy, thinking myself as a tough guy, I grabbed a knife and decided to search the home while yelling out for my family or whatever potential intruder may be there. When I got to that dark hallway and stared down, I knew something wasn't right. The fear overshadowed whatever courage I thought I had, and I ran out and called my father. They were walking the dogs. They ran home and saw everything opened. We searched the home, and no one was there. Things got very dark in our home. Everyone was always angry and fighting. Families have issues, but this was almost constant, almost unexplainably. So when looking back on it, it was just very, very weird. I started having these moments where it was like daydreaming, but deeper and more vivid. I couldn't hear people around me. It was like being somewhere else. Finally, one day a girlfriend of mine was over. I was sitting there on the edge of my bed, staring into my closet where I had my entertainment center. When I dozed off into one of those daydreams, I saw my girlfriend take my phone and walk it into my dining room where my family was sitting and sat up behind my dad's records to prank me. When I snapped to, I stood up, casually walked into the dining room, moved the records and grabbed the phone. My girlfriend and entire family stood there with their jaws on the floor. How did you know where that was? They asked. And I started saying, well, I saw her put it there. As I said this, I started to realize how bizarre that sounded and started to feel freaked out now, seeing them stare at me like a crazy person. I just walked out the door and started my car and went on a date. That came up several times, and to this day, I don't like talking about it. It was just too strange. There were many more events. These were just the highlights. I was glad when they sold that house. The end. Okay, so... The history of this house is it was what, like a sick house for people, but then they found the bed? So I think what? it was a healthcare. So the last thing from what it seems like this writer knew mm-hmm. was it used to be a place for the elderly to go. Um, I guess it was kind of like, a, a, I guess, a senior, a senior. Got li- it. Got it. Like a senior living type of thing. Yeah. But what's weird is it's like before that, was this house burnt down at some point and a child's maybe died in there and that's why there's burnt children's toys Toys. that are buried? But why would they bury them? You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many different weird things. Yeah. You know what this strikes me as? This strikes me as a lot of little haunts. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's just, like, the nun. You know what I mean? Or it's just Bill Wilkins. I don't know why that's the only thing I can think of right now, that franchise, but... It's like a lot. It's like the Haunted Mansion, right? 999. Yes. Yes. You know, you've got the ghost of a little girl in the shed or whatever it was, right? And that's why there's like the handprint there, you know, and something happened there. And then there's maybe someone who passed away suddenly. And then someone who maybe, you know, might have, you know, 
had some kind of an emotional breakdown or something and started melting things. Like you really don't know. And then one person buried something and, or they had to hide it. Cause maybe it was, I don't like, I don't know, but there's, it strikes me as maybe a plot of land that has a lot of activity on it. A lot of dark history. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of secrets that are yes. not meant to be found out. Exactly. But they always get found out. At one point or another, definitely. They will be. Even if they shouldn't be. The truth is out there. All right, Lily. What is your last story? Okay, my last story is called Strange Woman on the Phone. And it's by North Coast JL. I am new to Reddit and have become addicted to reading these stories. So I thought I would share one of my own. This happened to me in 2013 or 2014 in the ancient times when people still had actual landline phones in their houses. (laughs) And I did share this experience with this experience on another website, which I don't even remember where. But I shared it back shortly after it happened, but I wanted to share my experience again. I work in insurance investing and inspecting property claims, conducting site visits in the field. I typically call people about a half hour before arriving for the appointment just to make sure they remembered the appointment and will be home. Mm -hmm. This one particular claim I had was in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour northwest of Pittsburgh. I call the homeowner's home phone number to let them know I'm on my way. And a very old sounding woman answers the phone. We have a very poor connection with a lot of static. And she keeps saying like, hello, can you hear me? Hello. So I say, I'm going to hang up and call back. I hang up, call back immediately and nobody answers. I then call the cell number, get a much younger sounding woman on the phone who tells me she's leaving the school where she just dropped her kids off and will be there in a few minutes. I arrive at the house thinking someone else is home and ring the doorbell about the same time the owner pulls up in the driveway. When the homeowner arrives, she is a young woman in her late 20s or early 30s and sounds absolutely nothing like the person who answered on the phone. I comment to her that I called the house phone, but whomever answered couldn't hear me. And I said something like, I'm sorry if I woke your mother or whomever that was up. She looks confused and says, I must have called the wrong number because nobody was home. Wanting to make sure we have the right information for her, I read back the number I called and she confirms that is her home phone number. She asks me what the old lady sounded like. I told her it sounded like an older woman on the phone. She turns pale and looks very scared tells me I'm freaking her out because her family recently moved in and she swears she has thought that their house is haunted by an old woman. (gasps) Yeah. So at this point, the homeowner is agitated about what happened. So I try to make sense of it and ask her if she thinks we should call the police in the event someone had broken into her home and answered the phone. I walk around the home, checking the doors and windows, and the house seems secure. We enter, and she goes directly to her phone slash answering machine. Her phone has caller ID, and sure enough, both of the calls for my number are on it. I got goosebumps. Um, The first time I called shows that the call was answered, and the second call shows a missed call. So at this point, she's really freaking out because caller ID shows that someone answered the phone. 
Again, I asked her if she thinks we should call the police, thinking that there might actually be an intruder in the home who was nice enough to answer the phone. She declines and tells me about how she's been telling her husband she thinks the house is haunted and he has been making fun of her about it. And she's glad that somebody else experienced something, but totally scared to death over it. The homeowner proceeds to tell me how strange things similar to this have been happening at the house with a lot of activity taking place in the attic. Turns out the attic is exactly where I have to inspect the damage. She refused. Yeah, right. She refused to go up to the attic with me and just pointed me in the right direction and stood at the bottom (laughs) of the steps, nervously clutching a flashlight and her cell phone. I was pretty freaked out myself at this point, either expecting an intruder to jump out at me or to see a ghost. I got out of there pretty quick. Years later, I can still remember exactly what that old lady sounded like. I've never tried rationalizing it, thinking it must have been, you know, the numbers have gotten crossed or whatever. But the caller ID still showed two calls from me. That is so creepy. And the fact that this woman was going through this this conflict in her head of like, am I going crazy? I, I feel like I've had these experiences of this older woman in our house. The husband's making her feel crazy. So to have somebody that has no idea about this situation going on in the household to kind of validate that for her must've been insane. Yeah. I mean, and I feel bad for this old lady who's clearly trying to maybe make her way, you know, to the other side and can't, you know, really trying to communicate something. Yeah. But um, I do want to read another, there were some comments, people posting, you know, a couple of sentences, something that happened. Okay. Um, Yeah. So this one, is by almost but not quote (laughs) said my dad's friend has the same thing he used to work at a racetrack slash old airstrip and they had an emergency phone further down the strip recently at the time two people had passed away in an accident where their sports cars had spun off the track my dad's friend said he got a phone call from the emergency phone really static bad line and a woman's voice saying can you help me it's cold and dark and i don't know where i am Apparently, she just kept repeating it and saying something about her baby. The woman that had passed away was pregnant at the time. <gasps> he tried speaking with her, but she just, but she was just repeating that it was cold and dark and she didn't know where she was. And then the line cut off and no one answered when he rang back. I don't know if it's true or if he was just trying to creep us out, but it's a good story nonetheless. Oh. And then there's another one. That says um, something similar happened to me too. When I was younger, I had a grandmother who lived in the countryside. So one day me and my friends called her cell phone to see if she's home. Um, So we could go around and bake cookies together. And she answered telling us to come in. But to our surprise, when we arrived, the door was locked. We tried calling her again, but no answer. So at this point we went home thinking too much of it. She was quite old. So we figured she just forgot about us. When we got home, grandma was there joining us for dinner. When we asked why she didn't let us in, she told us she has been at my house since lunch. And we went to play outside like really early in the morning and we didn't attend lunch. So who could have answered the phone since she was living alone? Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, if you read these comments all over, all over, there's a lot. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. So like, I can't really keep going into it, but like I said, this is amazing how that's something that's like, I guess what's amazing about it to me is like, that's something I never really 
thought could happen. You know, it never really occurs to you because we don't really think of landlines anymore. Yeah, yeah. But um, this does remind me of something kind of funny. So when, you know how like new parents with the first baby are like super careful and super worried about everything? So my aunt, when she had her first son, I remember her telling me this. She had her first son and like her neighbor also had either just had a baby or had one shortly after my cousin was born. They were next door neighbors and they had the baby monitor where, where there was one in his room. And my aunt said she was like making lunch or doing something in the kitchen. And she looked over and the wrong baby was in my cousin's crib and she was freaking out. So she runs upstairs and like, he's in there. And she got a call from her friend that was like, hey, I think our like baby monitor waves got crossed because your son's on my monitor right now. This was like 2005, so. Oh my God. That is actually horrifying. I can understand why your your aunt freaked out. I know, right? Imagine just it's a different baby. Just yeah, like the whole other, whole ass baby. Like, how did you get switched? What happened? How do you confuse a baby with another baby? Well, I would do that. I can't tell them apart, but. <laughs> Anyways, okay, Rebecca, what's. Yeah, that's another podcast. What's your next story? So, my last story is titled True Tales from Room Nine, and it's called, quote, Car Wreck, end quote. Ooh. I have heard that with fictional stories, there is a shred of truth that the story is based on. I just didn't expect to experience the truth firsthand. There is a young adult book series called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Ooh, love those. That as a child, I would often check out from the public library. In one of the books, there is a particular story about a man who ends up in a car wreck. And after being drugged out of the car, he finds himself surrounded by a thick crowd of silently watching people. They don't move, they don't speak, they just stand there staring down at him. When the paramedics arrive, the crowd vanishes. This was the only story in the series that truly frightened me. Little did I know that years later, that story had prepared me for my own real life encounter with the people. So this is the story of the car wreck. I was living in Lacey, Washington when this happened. I was living in an apartment complex located just off on Ruddle Road. The road had a nasty curve not far away that was prone to car accidents, especially at night. Some serious and others fatal. One evening, while watching TV in the living room, the power suddenly flickered and then blinked out. Seconds later, I could hear the sound of a car crashing on the main road. In the silence that followed, I decided to put on my shoes and black trench coat and run up the road to see if anyone needed help. When I got to the road, I immediately looked to my left where the infamous curve was. There in the small stand of trees that lined the road was an overturned car. From what I could tell, the car had taken out a power pole on the other side of the road before careening into the small stand of trees, coming to a rest on its hood. Next to the car, there was a small yet thick crowd of people standing in a circle. I jogged over, having to practically push my way through the crowd to find out what they were silently staring at. And at the center of this macabre crowd was a young woman. She was moaning and writhing around, eyes wide in terror and wet with tears as she kept scanning the crowd of silent observers pleading for help with her gaze. I dashed in, knelt down by her side and grasped her left hand. The crowd took a collective step backwards. It was then I suddenly remembered the story from my childhood. 
my stomach sank. These were them, the people. It was real. It was all around us. And I felt like I was keeping this crowd from coming closer and doing who knows what. I said, quote, look at me, just look at me. As I was trying to push down my own fear. To my relief, her eyes flicked to mine. I told her, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Before saying louder, has anyone called 911 yet? There was no response in the crowd. I quickly, yeah. I quickly fished out my cell phone from my pocket and I dialed it myself. One hand on the phone, the other still grasping the woman's hand. It was an agonizing few minutes before the paramedics arrived. I kept speaking to her both to keep... I kept speaking to her both to keep us calm and to keep her from looking up at the people. When the paramedics finally arrived, the entire crowd abruptly vanished, exactly like in the story. I didn't let go of the woman's hand until I was literally shoulder to shoulder with the paramedics. At that point, I walked back to the sidewalk and looked around. There were only a few neighbors on the opposite side of the street watching what was going on. Other than the paramedics, the injured woman and myself, the street was absolutely deserted. I shuddered, looked at the woman one more time, then ran back home. To this day, I can't remember what the ending of that scary story was. I feel that I don't need to know. I saw it with my own eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. That is fucking horrifying. I could never. What the fuck? And I'm kind of freaking out right now because I'm picturing, right, like Slender Man type people with like, like with a face, but like really nothing else going on. Okay, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. This gives me Shadow People vibes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I could see it. Yeah, totally Shadow People vibes. It's like, were they there to take over this woman's body, her soul? What were they there for? And to realize that this exact scenario was something that you had read as a kid in one of your favorite childhood scary storybooks. That's getting to me. I just got chills for that. Yeah. Imagine, imagine like you're the spookiest story that you read as a kid turning into your reality. Hell no, hell no. And I was also thinking like, I found it weird that the author didn't like call because I was thinking like if I heard a car crash and I saw it flipped over like I would call 911 and then go but I'm thinking like it's so much better that they really just ran to the woman first because I feel like she was at more of a risk of the the people than anything else you know when you look at say a, um, a hot cup of coffee right you're just looking at yeah. a cup and it says warning hot coffee be careful and you're like this is so stupid why are there yeah. like rules or these directions? And it's because people before have been dumb enough to grab it when it was super hot and yeah. And that kind of reminds me of, uh, it kind of parallels to the idea that these scary stories, they're super creative. And sometimes we sit here and like, where do you get this inspiration from to have such a crazy story? Mm-hmm. Maybe these scary stories all come from some strain of truth. just like they said in the beginning. Yeah, and that that first line kills me. Oh my God. And when they're like, and everything. I know. And that first, you're right, the first line when it was like, but I never thought I would live it in reality or whatever. I was like, ooh, come on, topic sentence. Mm -hmm. Yes. This statement, please proceed. Please proceed. 
I'm be- I'm dying for some in-text citations from you, OP. Tell me you're an English professor's daughter without telling me <laughs> you're an English professor's daughter. <laughs> I'm serious though. That was such a catchy sentence. Like, please make it into like a novel or something because I would fucking read it. Yes. Well, on that note, uh, that concludes the stories this week on Just Ghouly Things. Uh, Lily, do you have anything to wrap us up with before we shout out our socials? Um, no, actually. Wow. If you have any, actually, I lied. If you have any Halloween idea costumes for me and Rebecca to maybe do like a fun costume shoot, um, email us at justbelievethingspodcast.gmail.com or tweet us at JGT Podcast. That would be um, so fun. Let Yeah, let us know because that could be a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get to the socials one more time. All right. You can follow us on Instagram at Just Bully Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Cooly Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Cooly Things Podcast group. Donate to that Patreon. Just Cooly Things Podcast. Buy our merch. Tpublic.com. Search Just Cooly Things Podcast or RebeccaRuper.com slash shop where you can find all your merchandise for um, Just Cooly Things Podcast or Rebecca's other podcast, Inside the Ring with Rebecca Ruper, which is really taken off and she's going to be a big boxing reporter. I'm manifesting it now. Oh, thanks, Lily. I appreciate You're welcome. That. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justgoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Thangs, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye. Bye. Alex Knight, the world's foremost authority on Bigfoot research, heads to Canada to investigate a profoundly incredible Bigfoot encounter. His daughter, Sydney, eagerly joins the expedition. Accompanied by reluctant Toronto television hostess Amira Ali, Sid and her father's team adventure north in pursuit of the legendary Sasquatch. Prophecy from a forgotten Algonquin tribe and a mystical calling deeply connects Sydney to the creature. The revelation of unknown truths ensures that Sydney will never see the forest or herself the same again. Get your copy of James Allen Ross's Spirit of the Woods, the story of a young woman's encounter with Bigfoot. Now for the price of $9.99 paperback and $0.99 cents on Kindle. Available on Amazon now.